Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, let's talk carbon taxes, shall we? Of course, uh, Alberta's been living under a carbon tax for some time now. The uh, federal carbon plan is starting to to come together. We learned this week about how it's going to apply in those provinces who don't have their own pricing plan at the moment. And the idea is to impose the carbon price and then refund the money collected back to homeowners, uh, households, uh, organizations and, and small businesses. But what about large emitters in all of this? Uh, those that, that are going to face substantial cost as a result of, of pricing carbon, but also those that, that compete internationally. Uh, and there are certainly those uh, larger companies that have the ability to shift where they're doing business, what's known as carbon leakage then in this context. So in, in the biggest sense, there is some some concern around competitiveness but also a, a need to address emissions. So where, where do big emitters fit into all of this? And how do we balance uh, all of these competing interests? We're interesting new study out today from the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. Joining us to talk more about it as one of the authors, Jennifer Winter is Assistant Professor of Economics, also Scientific Director of the Energy and Environmental Policy Research Division at the School of Public Policy, policyschool.ca. Jennifer, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So as it stands now with what Alberta has, what the federal government is is bringing in, where, where do big emitters fit in then? So both Alberta and the federal government have developed a specific policy for large emitters to address those competitiveness concerns that you identified, especially carbon leakage, where as a result of carbon pricing in Canada, economic activity picks up and moves somewhere else where there is less stringent environmental policy. And the big concern around that is we lose economic activity, we have lower emissions in Canada, but there may not be a net uh, decrease in global emissions depending on where this economic activity goes. So the approach to this is how do we address those costs to large emitters while still keeping the incentive to reduce emissions within Canada? Right. And, and, you know, there's been concern expressed by some that, that big emitters are getting a, a free ride or that, that it's unfairly all of this is being put on, on individuals as opposed to putting it on these, these big polluters. Right. So the issue is with these large emitters in, in that when they're trading internationally, they have limited ability to pass these costs on to uh, consumers and others that they're selling their products to internationally. And that's because the price is set internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a problem within Canada. The issue is these trade-exposed large emitters. And then so the, the question is, what sort of policy design can we have to to mitigate the cost 
to large emitters so that they're not leaving Canada for other jurisdictions while still maintaining that incentive to reduce emissions. Because I think the important point to remember here is we like production. We like output. We don't like emissions. Like, that's what we're, that's, that's the sweet spot we're trying to find. Right. Well, if, you know, I mean, someone, I guess, a little more cynical would say, well, it's, it's got to be one or the other. It can't be both. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a balance, right? Um, in that we are trading off um, some economic activity for um, increased environmental quality, and you know, like that's a values debate and that's a political discussion. Um, I'm an economist. What I can say is, if we have an objective to address competitiveness, here are the policy options, and here are the pros and cons associated with each of those policy options. All right. So does that suggest then that, that what we have now, the approach the Alberta government has taken, the approach the federal government is taking, is is not quite where it needs to be? You know, it's pretty close, I would say. Um, the, the key thing is that the, um, the large emitter subsidy that our trade-exposed emitters are receiving, it's not tied to their emissions. And so that's the key thing. And and the reason that's key is that if it was tied to emissions, it would under, undermine the strength of the, the carbon price. So that's, And that's the incentive to reduce emissions. So, yes, we're subsidizing large emitters, um, and we can debate over whether or not the size of the subsidy is appropriate. One of the things that the federal government and the Alberta government should be doing is tracking potential leakage and seeing whether or not we need to adjust the size of the subsidy or and how much tightening there needs to be. But beyond that, the actual design of the policy is um, is good, especially compared to what other jurisdictions do. Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously we live right next door to a pretty big jurisdiction that does not have any price on carbon. That's partially true. So California does have a a price on carbon, and uh, California also provides support to large emitters. Um, What's different in California's policy is that essentially all large emitters are given this policy support instead of we just want to be supporting those who are trade-exposed and emissions-intensive. You know, when it comes to the subsidies, and, and it's a similar point raised, you know, in this debate around rebates uh, for individuals, that if you're providing that subsidy, where, where's the incentive to become more efficient? So the incentive to become more efficient comes from the change in the relative prices of emissions-intensive goods. So we're, so we're penalizing the bad thing, emissions. And, you know, absent any sort of policy intervention like rebates, like subsidies, <clears throat> yes, we would see consumption decrease and we would see output decrease. What the subsidy does is address the cost side of the problem without changing the, uh, the, um, the marginal incentive to reduce emissions from that price signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I mean, regarding the, uh, the rebate plan, it, that, that seems to be the kind of approach that a lot of economists have uh, tended to favor, just the simplicity of, of putting a price uh, and then, then you know, making it revenue neutral. What's your reaction to what we heard this week? 
The uh, yeah, most economists would say that revenue neutrality is um, the one of the best ways to address the uh, what to do with the revenue from carbon pricing. Um, the, the challenge is that, you know, there's nothing particularly special about revenue from carbon pricing. And what we do with the revenue really depends on the individual circumstances of the province. And, um, and so, you know, rebating lump sum to households, you know, that's easy, that's simple. Um, people like getting checks from the government. That's a nice thing to see. But on the other hand, another option for the revenue is to use it to lower personal or corporate income taxes. And, and that's about a discussion, you know, taking that approach is a, a broader discussion of what's the appropriate tax mix. Yeah. Um, you know, generally speaking, I think that the announcement from the federal government this week is um, it's a pretty comprehensive um, pricing plan. Uh, we'll wait and see what sort of additional bells and whistles there are for um, specific pricing supports for municipalities and Indigenous communities. But I think all in all, it's a decent plan that goes a pretty long way to addressing concerns around emissions. All right. Well, Jennifer, we'll leave it there. Uh, more on this paper released today, as mentioned, policyschool.ca. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Jennifer Winter is um, uh, Scientific Director of Energy and Environmental Policy Research at the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary, also Assistant Professor of Economics at the UMC. Now, uh, speaking of the School of Public Policy, Jack Mintz, well-known economist, is the President's Fellow at the University of uh, Calgary School of Public Policy. He's got a piece in the Calgary Herald today about the, the carbon tax and about the federal plan. Because a lot of people this week have said, well, you know, look, I mean, uh, preeminent economists like Jack Mintz argued for uh, a revenue neutral carbon tax. And so Jack Mintz felt compelled, I guess, to kind of clear the air of where he stands uh, on the issue, what he makes of the federal plan. Now, he says, I stand behind the points of the paper I wrote in 2008. I maintain that a single uniform carbon tax is the least distortionary way to implement carbon policies. It says we should integrate existing federal and provincial fuel taxes by transforming them into general carbon taxes. With a single carbon tax rate, businesses and consumers can determine the best way to respond to reducing emissions. It says I continue to maintain that the best way to implement carbon taxes is to use the revenue to reduce harmful corporate and personal taxes. This includes removing anti-competitive levies while also providing support for low-income households to cope with higher electricity, heating, and transportation costs. However, what was unveiled Tuesday by the federal government in its carbon pricing plan fails to achieve what I would have argued to be an ideal carbon policy. Federal carbon tax provides special exemptions for certain sectors such as farmers, fishers, aviation, power producers uh, in the north and greenhouse operators. The Trudeau government has a continuing commitment to existing and even new regulations and subsidies to promote clean energy, each with their own implicit carbon price. As well, plenty of economists behind the carbon tax lobby were cheering the prime minister's plan. I somehow missed their demands that we eliminate clean fuel and renewable electricity standards, subsidies for electric vehicles, all of which have carbon costs well in excess of the $50 a ton carbon tax plan for 2022. So Jack Mintz's perspective is, is a little different from than what the federal government is doing. 
that if we're going to implement a carbon tax, instead of rebates, we need to reduce other taxes, and that there would be benefits to the economy of lowering personal and corporate taxes. He says at the same time, we also need to eliminate all of these subsidies, all of these other regulations, get rid of all of that. And clearly we haven't done so. So maybe there's some room there, I guess, for uh, conservatives to say, well, maybe this is what we ought to embrace as opposed to regulations, which it seems as though Andrew Scheer, Jason Kenney and others appear to favor. I mean, there's the option of doing nothing, which is a different kind of conversation. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.